Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Foothills Church. So glad that you are with us today. How, how incredible were those stats that Pastor Trent shared a moment ago? That is amazing of what God is doing here. And you are a part of that. And so we're, we're just honored, grateful, just so appreciative of each and every one of you. If it is your first time here, if you've been here from the very beginning, we, we don't just lightly say you belong here. We really do believe it. And uh, so we're grateful that you are with us today and here today to, to worship, to learn, to study. And, uh, but I have to be honest, I have to take just a moment and be selfish for just for me for a moment. I have to wish my wife a happy anniversary, 23rd anniversary today. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that, that she stayed with me this long. I'm really excited. And if you are, if you are uh, newly married, not married, kind of in the thick of just kind of like figuring this whole thing out, maybe you're looking to get married, maybe you're like, I have never even met the person. I don't know who they are. Let me give you a quick word of advice. Um, fellas, learn um, this great phrase. It, it's, it's this, um, yes, dear, you, it will go well with you, I promise. Yes, ma'am is another great one. Just, you are right, that's another good one. Um, so, uh, but there's some phrases that you can learn along the way that are really gonna help in your marriage. So take that, take that home with you. Uh, when we were first married, I was thinking about this this past week, being married, coming up on our anniversary, thinking about being married 23 years ago. And um, I, I'll never forget our first probably year of marriage, and you're just figuring each other out, right? You're starting to discover more about the other person, how they're wired, you know, how you're wired, interacting. You don't always see things the same. Even 23 years in, there are a lot of things about what she sees and I see, and that we don't always, you know, mesh in that, but I'm trying to see things from her perspective as she's trying to th see things from mine, and, we're, you know, it's a give and take in our relationship, but one of the things we discovered up front, uh, we went through a book together called The Five Love Languages, and uh, is written by Gary Chapman in fantastic book, highly recommend if you haven't done it. What, 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 what Dr. Chapman was talking about in the book is he's sharing that each of us have a love language that um, the other person, when, when you hear them speak it in this way, you hear love. So you hear a certain language that is spoken to you, not, not French, Spanish, English, not, not, not that. But when someone speaks in a certain way that you actually hear, I love you. Okay, and so, uh, you know, give you an example. Um, I am a words of affirmation person. So I use my words a lot. And I use my words at home a lot, and my wife will remind me of that. But my words to her were, I love you. I would even text it, or I would send it out. I would uh, send it out via text. I would call her. I would interact with her, and I would say, I love you. Leave in the morning, I love you. I'd see her at night, kiss her goodnight, I love you. And I would feel like I was saying it over and over and over again. And I'll never forget, she shared with me one time, she goes, you know, I just, lately I just haven't felt loved. I'm like, I, I haven't, I don't, I tell you like four or five times a day, I love you. What, what are you not hearing? Are you not listening? And what I realized as we did this study was that her love language, she was actually bilingual. Um, she had a couple of them. And uh, one of them was acts of service. And, and then there was, uh, there was acts of service and there were gifts. And the acts of service was easy for me because I, I found myself, I could, you know, be like, hey, I got the dishes, hon, don't worry about it. Need me to kind of like dust the house and vacuum? I got it, don't worry about it. Acts of service, right? Serving in that way. And, but the gifts was hard because the budget of a young pastor and teacher's salary was 
got a little challenging uh, along the way. But she told me, she, she reminded me, she said, I, I'm not saying that this is some big gift. It's not like every week you gotta show up with diamonds or whatever. She said, that would be nice, but you don't have to do that. She, she reminded me that the, the gifts that I'm talking about are just thoughtful things. And I was like, oh, thoughtful things, like what? So she said, so she was a big fan of cherry limeade from Sonic. So I found the Sonic on the way home from work and we became best friends. And I would swing by there and pick up a Sonic on the way home and say, sorry, it's melted. Traffic was bad. So, you know, but she realized I would just bring a Sonic to her, a, you know, a cherry limeade Sonic, and, and that was speaking love to her. And then she had to realize with me, she was she, communicating in a way of saying, hey, I, you know, I love you, but it was acts of service. And so the things that she would do or, or the gifts, she would show up, she'd hey, I bought something at the store. And I'd be like, thank you, but I'm a, I'm a words guy. So she had to realize that as, as trivial as it would sound, that, hey, the yard looks great after mowing it. I was like, thanks. You know, I felt, I really started feeling loved, right? So we had to realize that what we were communicating and how the other person was hearing it was really important and significant. Well, here's what's important for us as a church to, to hold on to. And, and obviously talking about marriage and, and love and marriage, absolutely, We've done, we just did a series recently on marriage. But, but I wanna share something with you that is so important for us is there is a world um, that, that is out there, that our, our world and your world and people that you interact with and that I interact with on a daily basis, um, might be at work with you, neighbors, friends, family members, uh, people that you've, you maybe have never met in your life and come in contact with uh, at a restaurant or who, wherever you might be. But there's a world that needs to hear the message that God loves you, that Jesus gave his life for you because of that love, a sacrificial love that he wants to have a relationship with you. And it's a message that they so desperately need to hear and that we wanna be able to share it. It's the gospel, we talk about it. Many of you, we're celebrating the stories of life change that have taken place of people that have met Christ, been baptized, now pursuing what it means to have a relationship with him, becoming a disciple, a mature disciple, developing into that over time, into a relationship with him. And we wanna introduce people to that love, to that relationship. But unfortunately, the message of love is, is not always heard because we're not always speaking the language that others might hear. We're speaking another language. It's like my wife, I would tell her that all day long, I love you, but without an acts of service or, or a gift, she was hearing wah, 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 wah. That's all she heard. And for many of us, I mean, that's kind of the, that we say I love you and here we say, hey, we love each and, each and every person that walks through these doors and maybe it's your small group and maybe it's people that you interact with outside at work, wherever it might be that we have a, that we say we love you, but Unfortunately, there's some studying that I did leading up to this, this sermon today that um, our world, when asked this very question, when people think of Christians, what words come to mind that love, loving, caring, compassionate were not the words that were top of the list. In fact, when people were asked and, and there was a study research that was done outside, gone to people who don't call themselves Christians, those that are outside, those that are outside the walls uh, of, of the church, those who say, hey, I don't even attend church, maybe infrequently, maybe I go occasionally, doesn't matter. They basically were, were approached and said, hey, when you think, when you wanna talk about the word Christians, when you think of Christians, what words come to mind? And words such as judgmental, self-righteous, anti 
pick a, pick a phrase, the list goes on and on and on. Unfortunately, loving, compassionate, caring, someone who says, hey, you know what, they're just, they're great people. They just, doesn't matter, you know, an interaction that I have with them. I always feel like they really care about me. And fortunately, that's not the way people are feeling. And so I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that, that John in the early churches, we're, we're, we're back in 1 John today. If you have, your, if you have your, the, the word and you wanna open it up, your Bible today, open it up to 1 John chapter four. We're gonna be hitting in, beginning in verse seven that, that John was addressing this as well with the early church. Because the reason why he wanted to follow up with this was because the, the command that Jesus gave and the thing that he shared, what he shared with every one of his disciples and us today, he said, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. When he was asked about the greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So to, to, to ignore this, this love that we need to have for other people and, the, and do they actually feel feel loved and we communicate it in a way that they, that they feel it. We may say it, but do they actually sense it? Do they actually believe it because of how we interact with them? John was addressing this. In fact, at the very, very beginning in, in verse seven, this is where he starts. Dear friends, love that he comes out of the gate with dear friends. He's actually coming to them and saying, you are my friends. We are friends in this. And so I'm sharing with this out of love for you. He says this, let us love one Another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, speaking, camping out for just a moment on that God is love. That God is love is not the phrase, this phrase right here that God is love and love is not God. So it's not that, that love is God, which is so easy to confuse. In a world where people just say love one another, when people just say, are talking about we should love every person, when people are like, hey, a loving, a loving person, that therefore that is that love, that emotion that you feel, is that God? And what, He's not saying that. In fact, he's saying God, who, who is the, the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that the, the relationship that we have with him, that God, the person that he, one of the greatest attributes of him, the characteristics of him is love. And it's significant that we, that we grasp this. It's so important that we hold on to this. It's so important for those of us who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, to say that if we need to recognize if God is love, then we should be loving one another but it's not always easy, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> you got interactions with people, you got, a, you got neighbors, you got friends, you got family members. You got that crazy uncle that every time he shows up at a family reunion, you're like, do I have to go up and talk to him again? You got, you got your, your, your kids, your spouse, you got people at work, you got, you got those that are outside that you constantly are hearing about the, the, what they believe and how they, their, their, their lives are. In fact, many of us can, can, can say that it, it, they, they're almost like my enemy, you know? In fact, it's, it's easy to kind of, to kind of wear this badge of honor, what we read earlier in this book where it says that the, those in the world will hate you because they've hated him. Jesus said this, that there are those in the world that will hate you, that are gonna despise you, they're gonna hate how you live. They're gonna look at you and say this whole moral code that you have, that they're gonna say, following Jesus, I mean, they're gonna, you, they're gonna feel like an enemy to you. They're gonna feel like this, this, this t person that you're gonna say, I, it's so hard to love them because they literally feel like this person that I just can't be around. 
We don't see eye to eye. We don't vote eye to eye. We don't agree on certain things. I mean, everything about them just says, just stay away from them. I don't want anything to do with it. In fact, I'm gonna talk bad about you. In fact, I'll probably kind of chew you out to your face because you feel like an enemy. And it's interesting that Jesus actually addresses this as well when he says that we are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Love your enemy, come on. That's hard when they really truly feel like an enemy. But can I remind you of this? All of us, before we come to a faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are God's enemy. We are enemy of him. You were his enemy, I was his enemy, but yet he loved us still and he gave his life for us. So in the same way that where he's coming out of the, he's coming out of the gate saying, you're not loving just because it's some kind of feel good thing I'm telling you to do. This is not some tactic. This is not some strategy. What he's saying is this, is that you can love and you should love because God loved you first. In fact, he continues on right here. I love this next passage where he says, this is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Not through us, not through your power, not through your efforts, through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. It's right there, he, we, we, we love because he has loved us. We did not love God first, he loved us. Us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, the ultimate act of love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Right there, John's reminding us that that we, we, we do not love God first. We did not come to him and say, oh God, I love you first. And then we earn some kind of a love. I mean, how, how refreshing is that to know that we have not earned any of it, that we have not loved and therefore we have kind of done enough things where he's going, okay, well, I'll, I'll love you in return. That it's not some type of, you know, like a parent to a child. Oh, I'm so guilty of this. I, I, it actually, it's one of those things that, that I regret as a parent that I feel like that there's been so many times where I've loved my kids for their grades. I've loved my kids for their behavior. I've loved my kids because of what they've done, right? I mean, if they, they come in, you made the team. Good job, son. Ooh, you got the right, ooh, this and that. And so their accomplishments along the way or they've kind of behaved. Oh, you made your bed. Oh, you did this. And it's this earned value and appreciation and love. And we, it says right here, this is love. Not that we loved God, not that we have just done something to kind of earn that, but that he loved us, even in the middle of us being unlovable, even in the middle of us being consumed with our sin, even in the midst of us that are consistently pursuing our own way. You say, I'm, I'm not that bad. We really all are. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but yet he loved us anyway. And he sent his son. And then he ends this right here where he says this. No one has ever seen God. No one's ever been in his presence. I mean, when you look at the, those in, in the, throughout, throughout the Old Testament, that if they have, there's this presence that they could be in God, it was a burning bush. It was, it was never, if you were in his presence, he is holy. And guess what? We would burn up. It would consume us, right? There's no way. We can't even be in his presence. In fact, the, the disciples, when they saw Jesus, and John is one right here that he's speaking of, that I saw Jesus, who is God in the flesh, and he witnessed. But, but he, what he's also reminding them is this. The people that you interact with and are coming in contact with now, the people that that, that are outside the walls of the church, the people that are, are not Christians, even those who are inside that are like maybe feeling on the fringe, whoever they might be, no one has seen him. No one has truly seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. 
And his love is made complete in us. I think he's reminding us of this right here. We are not just made in his image, but we are to be his image to the world. I mean, he's reminding us that no one, no one has really seen God. But when they see you, when he lives through you, when you love in the way that he is loved, when you love because he loves them and because he loves you, when we, when we, when we live in this way of, 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 of community of believers and, and those who are Christians and we love one another no matter and we give to one another and we serve with one another and we act like the early church did and they, they sold their possessions, gave to the poor, gave to one another, that they were constantly there for one another. You fall down, I'm gonna pick you back up instead of beating you up. That when you're outside and you say, you know what, I'm not just gonna tell you that God loves you, I'm gonna show you that God loves you through my actions and the way that I'm going to love you, that when they see us, we become his image bearers to the world. And he's reminding them at this time, that's so important to understand. We don't love him first, he loves us first. But in understanding that love, we are to be his image to the world, to a world who so desperately needs to know him, who's looking for love, the old song in all the wrong places, looking for love in relationships, looking for love and success, looking for love and status, looking for love and acceptance. We know the God who is love and we have a message to share of that. So John is reminding, love as I have loved. It's what he's reminding. Continues on right here. This is how we know that we live in, in, in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I love this right here. I love this right here because in this, in this chapter, we begin to see the Trinity Okay, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and as you read this, you read about all three and he reminds us right there as he says right here that we know that, that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit, the gift of his Holy Spirit to, to live inside of each and every one of us as a believer. When you come to faith in Christ, did you know that you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive a gift that is the Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to live this Christian life? Just open up his word and learn, study, to read it. Let him speak through this word to us. The word to, to, to live in such a way as following his, his example and his commands. We're supposed to, to, to look at, at sin and, and kind of turn from it and things that kind of pull us into a way that is harmful to others, harmful to God, harmful to ourselves. A sin that God says, don't, don't enter into that. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to avoid those areas and turn from those areas and turn to him and follow him. But to do that, to have the ability to do that, he's given us his spirit to guide us each and every day. But there's a truth. I think John is, is helping us understand is that every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but not all Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit, not filled with the Spirit, indwelt, Spirit lives in you. Spirit is a part of you. But being filled means this, is that we have given full submission to his ways, not our ways. 
that when we still are pursuing the things of our flesh, the desires that we want, uh, you know, entering into a relationship, it's interesting that he puts this here because I have to be completely honest, I have been not very spirit-filled in a lot of conversations, interactions I've had with people. Case in point, the uh, um, service centers when you're on the phone. Anyone else? I mean, I'm chewing this guy left and right because of something they didn't do right. I'm giving him everything I got. I'm just saying, this is horrible service. You gotta fix this. Why not this? Why not that? Confession, just so you guys know. And so I'm, I'm going, I'm just telling this guy, and I'm hoping at the end that he's not gonna say, okay, thank you, Mr. Bennett. Uh, and he takes some information. What's your occupation? <laughs> um, sales? <laughs> Anything else but pastor? You know, I, I, I almost, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I gotta be honest, I'm kind of embarrassed to, to even say that and to act that way to a guy that I've never seen and he's just on the other side of the line, right? He's on the other side of the phone, so I think I can just chew this guy up and le- you know, left and right. We feel like we can kind of like launch out and lash out onto our social media posts and, and, and kind of accuse people of things and attack certain groups of people. We get online and we're posting things about certain types of people, those people, or maybe about a specific person. And then we're supposed to develop and build a relationship with someone and be like, hey, come to church with me. And they're going, no. You guys claim to be the family of God. And, and you know, I'm thinking about the church at large and everything that I'm seeing. I mean, I have a friend the other day who posted um, about this very issue, posting to, posting to church leaders and those in the church. And, and what he's talking about is how we should be different, how we should be a light in the world, right? And the, a light can only be, uh, you know, you, you kind of combat darkness with light. So it's a dark world that we're in. And we have to be that light that combats it. You don't, you don't defeat dark with more darkness, you defeat darkness with light. And so what he's kind of talking about in that, and then the post following, people just started going at each other. I'm like, what is going on? And these are Christians that are attacking one another and attacking another group. And, and yet we're supposed to have this opportunity to invite someone into what it means to know Jesus. And we say, hey, he loves you. And they're like going, well, you don't. If you're supposed to be like him, what's the deal? And when his spirit guides us and fills us, we begin to understand more and we have compassion for that other person and we have empathy for that other person. We begin to understand and we're in small group and someone falls down and so they're, they're struggling, they're stumbling and we're able to say, hey, let me, let me help you up. Does that mean we speak firm to people sometimes? Yes. Does that mean sometimes we gotta call some people out? Absolutely, I'm a parent. If I did not parent in that way, I, I, I would be a horrible parent because they do not know what they're doing and they're growing and I need to step in sometimes and call them out. But if I do that out of anger, if I do that out of hatred, if I do that in a sense that they don't feel like I love them to begin with, then my kids would say, you know what, dad, I'm out. The only way that I can have that conversation and relationship is, is by letting them know that I'm sharing this with you because I love you and I've built a relationship with you. And when people begin to understand in our lives that they're a person that's important to God, not a project that we're trying to fix, it would change our relationships and our interactions within within the context of the community of Christ as well as outside. And it gives us opportunities to truly share the gospel. And really at the end of it, it, it boils down to this, that we pursue in our relationship with Christ, less of me, more of you. Less of me, take away my wants, my desires. I'm entering into this relationship because, or I I want people, I wanna be acknowledged, I wanna be recognized. It's less of me and more of you. That if we want him to be known, that we want him to be, him to be glorified and, and, and spread amongst, amongst our communities and our, and, and our nation and our world. I mean, it's not a matter of just going to the polling box. It's a matter of loving our neighbors as Christ has loved us, right? It, that, that, that's where it begins. 
It's not a matter of someone else can fix this or if I, if I kind of like uh, post enough things and it's gonna cause enough people to say like, you know what, you're right. I feel like you like venom and you hate me right now, but I'm gonna turn to that. No, there's nothing good that comes out of that in a relationship with other people, in loving other people. And when we begin to say less of me, more of you, more of who you are in your character. If it says God is love, then we should be truly loving others in that way. In fact, he starts the next passage with this. God is love. This reminder that through it all, he's coming back to it just a couple of verses before. He's coming back saying, don't forget this. God is love. Whoever lives in love, love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. The perfect act of love given Jesus on the cross, given his life, rising from the dead three days later, that atoning sacrifice that was given to us is the act, perfect act of love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So what John is sharing is this right here, is that, man, when you're a follower of Jesus, we can stand confidently, confidently at the throne. That we, we, we can, at the, end, at the day of judgment, that we can stand confidently knowing that when he sees us, he sees his son, he sees his daughter, adopted into the family. That we are made righteousness, righteous, we are made righteous through Christ, not by anything you've done or I've done, but we're only made righteous through him. And because of him, because of that sacrifice, we can stand with confidence. We have no fear of the judgment because we have this relationship. And in fact, if you're in this room and you've never entered that, that relationship with him and you wondered about your eternity, you've wondered about this whole, is, is there a God, am I gonna stand before him and have this heaven, this, these scales that he has? I promise you this, that the only way that you can stand confidently, as John reminds us, is through Christ. But then he reminds us, in this world, we are like Jesus. And, and I think in a, in a way, he's, he's sharing, this would be the bottom line he would be sharing is, we're sons and daughters of God, we are to live like Jesus. In this world, we're like Jesus. In this world, when people see you, hopefully they see Jesus. In this world that when we interact and we're, we're in our relationship with, with people that are, that are in the walls, that are inside of the church, that are outside of the church, that whoever we come in contact with, are we, are we, are we being a reflection of him? And if we live like Jesus, we're to love like he loved, unconditionally, sacrificially, thinking of others' needs before your own. I promise you this, you open up the scriptures, you open up God's word, you study the life of Jesus, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you go through any of those, any of the gospels and you read his life. There was never an action that he took that was not out of love. Did he look to Peter and say, get behind me, Satan? Yes. Did he look to others and say, hey, you know what, I can't come right there right now? Yes. Did he, did he kind of get away by himself sometimes and even though people wanted to kind of be with him because he knew what was important? Yes. But he also loved in every interaction that he had. Everything that he did was out of his love. Love for, love, for, love for God that he had for his father and, and then a love that he had for others and that he wants us to live in the same way. Finally, John ends right here in this chapter. We love because he first loved us. Again, a reminder, we love only because he loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar 
you claim to love God, but yet you hate your brother or sister, you're lying. Just no way around it. it. Says it right there. You know what? You're saying something, but you're living something different. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Important word right here, command. This isn't a recommendation. This isn't just a, 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 hey, if you do this, then. If this isn't a, you know what, it'd be a good idea if. It, it, this is not a recommendation that, hey, you know what, this might help your relationship, just kind of show a little act of love. It's all good. He is saying the command that I give you, he's given us this command that anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I mean, I don't know about you, but I usually have my list of sins, right? I have my list of, even since I was a kid, I became a Christian when I was nine years old. And my whole life, I've always had these, you know, the big sins that are out there. You got the 10 commandments. We've got these other sins that we have of, of in relationships or maybe it's, uh, you know what? Uh, don't use bad language. I remember that one as a kid. Don't use bad language. That was a bad sin, right? I remember uh, that if you uh, don't put other gods before me, yeah, I don't need to be worshiping other gods or anything of that nature or putting other gods before things before God. I get that. Uh, okay, so I don't need to be getting drunk with wine. That's important. Um, you know, fornication, adultery, cheating on your wife or husband, you know, looking at things you shouldn't be looking at on the internet. So the list goes on and on. We got our list of the big sins that we could be like, yeah, this, these are bad sins. But based on what John is telling us here that if we claim to love God but do not love others, we sin against God. A sin is he's commanded us. A sin is he is saying do this. In fact, James reminds us here that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin. If we know the right thing is that we're to love others, that we're just to love those that are in your family, to love those that are at work, love the person sitting next to you, love the people that walk through these doors, love the people that, are, that you met at the, at the coffee shop, love the guy that you're calling that's, uh, that's trying, supposed to help you on the, uh, the, the help center that I just chewed out. Whoever it is that we're supposed to love, we are supposed to love them. And if we don't love them, if we actually hate them, and we are sinning and we really need to confess. This is important. I really wholeheartedly believe this is so significant and so important to, to us as the church. And, and, and why does it seem to be so, something that would be so significant? Because God said, if they are to experience and understand my love, this is not just a feeling, okay? This is not you, you kind of stir up feelings through love so they get some kind of a response. This is, if I love you in such a way, that love then, then causes a feeling reaction, which that feeling reaction is now I, I, I know you, I trust you, I see that you love me, not just I'm just kind of like, you know, check a box on something. Or, or just some kind of a stat that if you love me, now I'm more likely to hear what you have to share. So then we have opportunities to share the gospel with people. And when people outside of the church, man, when they, if they were to look, think about this for just a minute. If those who call themselves Christians began to react in such a way that says, hey, we're not gonna see eye to eye. I'm not asking you to believe like I believe, but I love you anyway you know what, um, I, I'm gonna respond in such a way, I'm gonna kind of post this thing about someone who just says, hey, you know what, I want you to know that I don't agree with you and I don't agree with where you are, but I want you to know that, I, man, I love you and I pray for, I'm praying for you and if you wanna talk with me, if you wanna interact, please let me know. I get, I'd love to grab a cup of coffee with you because I, I just want you to know that I do care about you and love you. That I think if we begin to, to, to act in a way that says to others, hey, God's loved me. I can't do anything but love you in return. Unfortunately, we do live in an age where people, when you hear phrases such as um, pandemic, coronavirus, masking, 
election. The list can go on and on for things. That stirs up more anxiety and frustration in people than there's so many that are outside that, are, that, that you interact with and I interact with who don't know Jesus. That there are people that, their kids that are growing up um, without a mom and a dad. That there are teenagers in this community and, and, and in our world that are seeking relationships outside and they're trying to find love and they're seeking in every way that they can, whether it's Instagram or social media and likes and they're seeking this acceptance and love and, and they're seeking it in relationships and, and toxic relationships and giving themselves away and God's plan is not best. They don't see it as God's best and they continually being pushed away and pushed away because they maybe haven't felt truly loved by a follower of Jesus. And, and if you are in this room or watching online and maybe um, you've been there, maybe you, you're like, hey, I don't, I don't get this whole Christianity thing. Someone invited me to this. I'm, I'm checking it out. I'm, I'm here. I, I'm exploring some things. And maybe you've been hurt. Maybe Christians have hurt you. Maybe you felt ostracized or hated by, by other Christians. I just wanna say I'm sorry. If you are a Christian, maybe you've been active in a church and maybe you've fallen down. Maybe you've sinned. Maybe you've committed something and all of a sudden people started, ooh, I don't, I don't know if we can be around them anymore because what they've done and they haven't come to you and even confronted you, but helped pick you up. I'm sorry. Maybe that you are someone who says, hey, I just don't feel like I fit the mold, right? You know, the good Christian mold. I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of an outsider looking in all the time, and, but there's a Christian group that they're inside and they feel, if I could just get into that group, then I'll, and I'm sorry because what you experienced in the, in the relationships that you had and those interactions that you had with people, that's not Christ. That's not the love of Christ. Does that mean you're gonna get along with everybody? No. Does loving them mean that you're gonna agree with them? No, he never says that. In fact, he never tells us that we, you know, commands us to be loved. He just says to love. The command of what we should be doing for the other person. So, Really, before, to walk away today, to, to want to encourage you to say this, man, church, followers of Jesus, we, we can do better. I know we can. We never achieved it. I have, sent, I have to be honest, I have to share something with you. In the last year, I have sensed and experienced so much love in this place from so many of you. We've been here just over a year. It's been overwhelming in many ways. So thank you. Many in this room and many watching online, many a part of Foothills are saying, yes, you love so well. I just know personally for me, I just know as I read this, I know I could always just do a tad better. I could always improve in this area. I could always begin to allow his spirit to, to fill me up and I can be the, the love of Christ to others and be that light in this dark world. So, so a few practical things that we can do before we leave today about, about how do we do this, right? How do we live out this love? I mean, I mean, how do we look at it and say, you know, what are some things that we, that we can do? Because it's not really rocket science. In fact, if we just come back to some of the basics, here's a few things that we could look at. How do we love others? We love with our actions. We love with our actions. We love, in how, we, we love in how we interact with other people. I mean, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. Let us do good to everyone. Last year, I remember we gave, if you weren't here, just to share with you, get online, check it out. We have Make It Count page where we're talking about we wanna make it count in our community of loving people in such a way through being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and beyond. And we wanna be able to love others. Those are clear, clear actions of what we can take. 
Maybe it's your small group that needs to, to get out this semester instead of it being like, hey, we just wanna gather together over and over and over and over again. Maybe you need to carve out a time that says, hey, we ask you the groups to do it. But maybe you say, hey, maybe we'll just ramp it up a little bit. We need to get out as a group and pick a Saturday and go serve somewhere and give and, and be, be you know, the action, take the action steps toward what it means to love other people. Maybe it's just you need to just be a little more compassionate with those you work with. And when you see someone down, you just walk up and reach out to them and just say, hey, you Okay. What's going on? Can I be a listening ear for you? Let's get a cup of coffee. I mean, in doing that, man, gospel relationship, our relationship with Jesus, conversations open up. Maybe you need to start finding a place to serve here. I'm hoping you're sitting today and you're here because you, maybe you have kids and you drop them off and someone's rocking your baby, right? Maybe you kind of step in here and you walk into this room and there's someone who greets you on the way in with a smile. You parked in the parking lot and there's someone out standing out in the heat pointing you to a parking space, right? You got production team who show up really early to create an experience such as this for you because they love you, right? Maybe it's time to return that and to love others in such a way that serving and taking that action toward giving back to the church. So we love with our actions, but we also love with our words. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4, 29. Give grace. A lot of our dialogue and interaction as of late doesn't, doesn't have a whole lot of grace in it. Does not have a whole lot of encouragement. Doesn't have a whole lot of of, um, you know what, we don't see eye to eye on this. I differ from you, but I love you anyway. I wanna extend grace to you. I want you to know that I understand where you're at. Maybe a person that you know is like completely against Christianity, they're kind of, they're attacking, they feel like an enemy. If you sat down with them and you prayed for them and you invited them to a relationship and you just looked at them and said, hey, what, what's happened in the past that's gotten you here? It provide an opportunity for them to, to have a dialogue and conversation. Maybe with our words, we need to be welcoming more dialogue than just monologue and we're telling people what we think. Maybe our words need to, to get off of social media completely because we just can't find, you know, once again, we just find ourselves just posting and, and hating and, and we kind of like breaking down opportunities to really invest in others because they feel like, well, what you post, I feel like you hate me. So how, why would I listen to this love of God, a family that you say is so wonderful, but yet it feels dysfunctional. You know, maybe, maybe with our words, we just need to, to find ways to encourage the guy that's bagging our groceries at the grocery store. Or maybe we just need to, in our small group and the community of faith that we have and people that are Christians that are around us, we just need to find ways that we're just, man, how can I disciple and pour into you and build in this relationship and my words be life-giving to you? Because our words can be life-giving or life-taking. Scripture tells us that. We can give life with our words or we can destroy in the same way. It's amazing the power of our words. So it's something we need to always be aware of so that we can love others in such a way that we love with our actions and we can love with our words the simplest of things that we can do as followers of Jesus, even leaving today. You go home, your words, your actions can change. You go to lunch today, your words, your actions can change. That we can introduce people to Jesus, a world that needs death so desperately to know him by saying, we're gonna love you in, in that way. I, I will um, never forget my, my coach, I had a coach in high school, I played basketball, and um, I know, shocking. Uh, I did, and uh, 
played basketball, point guard, obviously. And uh, so I played point guard in high school. And I remember first game, I transferred schools. It was a Christian school I was going to, transferred schools. Coach Johnny was my coach. And, and Coach Johnny was the one that um, uh, always just chewed us out constantly in practice. Like you did something wrong, he I mean, he would let you have it, right? I mean, he was just that kind of guy. I mean, just when he would talk, just spit coming out of his mouth. He was just being a coach. And uh, I'll never forget though, first game I was in playing for him, I was going all out. I was a type basketball player that I would just go really hard every play. So we got toward the end of the game and I fouled out. Really important game, his first conference game, fouled out of the game. And I remember sitting down on the bench and I walked down to the end of the bench and I sat down, hands in my head, I mean, head was in my hands. I'm sitting there like this, just kind of like frustrated. I'm putting my hands on my knees. I'm looking at the ground. I'm not looking up and I don't even wanna watch the end of the game because I'm mad. I let my team down. I did what was wrong. I, I tried and then I failed, right? Coach, I'll never forget, I see him walking down and he looks at me and he gets, stands in front of me and all of a sudden he puts his hands on my face like this. And he raises me up and he looks at me. I'm ready to get, I'm so ready to get chewed out. What are you doing? Why did you do this? Why, uh, you know, chewing me out left and right for what I did. But he looks at me and he kisses me around the forehead. It's awkward. have your coach kiss you on the forehead, but he did. And he looked at me, he said, proud of you, good job. And I'm like, good job. I just fell out of the game. I'm telling him, I said, what, everything I did wrong. He goes, no, you got in the game. You gave it your all, good job. Are there some things to improve on? Yes. Are there some things you can change before next game? Yes, but guess what? You went all out and you gave it your all for the game. And, and, and guys, here's the deal. Many of us kind of, it's easy to stay on the outside. It's easy just to be in the stands. It's easy to kind of be on the bench and not want to get in the game because relationships are messy. If I get in those relationships, if I get in those friendships, if I get in those interactions with people, that can get really messy. It, it is, and, and I promise you this, you're not gonna get it right all the time, but guess what? Get in the game. Get in the game in such a way that I think if we have a megaphone that shouts what the love of Jesus is, then our actions and our words and the way that we love others is that megaphone. And so let's do that so that we can let our world know that God loves them and Jesus died for them and wants a relationship with them. Let's pray together. God, we, we love you so much. We thank you for your love for us. And um, just pray right now this morning, God, if there are those that need to know you, that maybe this morning that they heard for the first time that, that they need a relationship with you. God, I pray you'll give them the courage, please, to drop by the, our care and prayer room, to speak with someone, just to walk in and be like, you know what, I, I don't even know if I have that. In fact, when he's speaking of that eternal judgment, that whole, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what this life is about. I, if there's a God who loves me in that way, I wanna know it. I pray that you'll just give them that opportunity, that courage to do that. And God, for those of us in the room that just desperately just need to follow you, some that I know love you, love others so well. I know there's some that just, maybe we love others, we just don't know how to show it. And maybe there's some of us who we just, we have a tough time loving others, especially those that are different or see life different than we do. I pray that you will just help us each day, soften our heart for those who need to know you, soften our heart for the believers that are inside, that we can continue to encourage them in the faith. And we just thank you so much for your love for us. Help us to love others in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. 
you can text FC Decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.